0: So, my name's Josh. I am your experienced preacher. (laughs) As experienced as a 25-year-old preacher gets, here I am. Uh, We are nearly finished in our series of James, A Faith to Live By. And it's been a really exciting series. I've really loved hearing so many different voices. There's still one more to come, so have anticipation for that. This is a picture of me. Uh, On family holidays... We used to go to campsites with swimming pools and we used to play games and I went well that lovely snorkel. That's not very recent, by the way, if you think that's what I look like with a snorkel on, you are mistaken. So as a child, my dad used to play this game with us where he would would basically swim underwater as far as he could possibly swim and then he would get each one of me, my brother and my sister to see who could swim the furthest or the closest to him without taking a breath above the water. You might think that's irresponsible, I think it's quite fun. <laughs> but as, as we've been reading this book of James together, I've had this picture in my mind of swimming underwater. So, so we jump into the swimming pool at chapter 1, verse 2. We jump in and we hear Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I don't know about you, but there's something really refreshing about the words in James. They're so simple and so practical that I'm like, I can live this safe hour. I can do this. That's really simple. So there's something really refreshing about jumping into the water of the book of James. And as we begin to swim through these passages, we hear everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Look after orphans and widows in their distress. Believers in Jesus Christ must not show favour to We keep swimming on the water through this wisdom, through this instruction. What good is it for someone to claim they have faith if they have no deeds? Faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by actions, is dead. And I don't know about you, but by now this refreshment of practical earthly challenge is beginning to feel quite hard to apply to my life. I've only just started to process what it means um, to, live by, to live with works and faith. I've only just started to figure out what it might mean to look after the poor. And it keeps coming. It's like swimming underwater. We get faster and faster and the wisdom keeps flying at us and we don't have time to apply it to our lives. And it's getting difficult to breathe. Then we hear the amazing challenge last week from Miriam and Joe that we should be careful. About what we speak. Our tongue is so dangerous. We need to be people that live this life of wisdom out. And if we take these challenges in scripture seriously, if I take them seriously in my life, to be honest, it feels like being punched in the gut repeatedly. It feels like I'm showing a mirror to myself that I just can't live that out. I can't do that. It's getting difficult to breathe underwater. I'm I'm not even sure if my legs are pushing anymore because I'm trying to go as fast as I possibly can. I can see the marker laid out ahead of me by my dad. My lungs are starting to get very tight. I'm failing to live it out. I'm failing to do what God wants me to do. I'm failing to love my neighbour. I'm not sure if I believe it anymore. What does any of it mean? How do I do this? How do I keep up with that challenge and that challenge and that challenge? I just can't keep swimming any longer. And so I pushed to the surface. And we hear these, these six little words in James chapter 4. That after so long pushing, so long trying to be people that live these words out. To me they feel like the first breaths that I've ever taken. They feel like those breaths of swimming as hard as you can underwater, water. Running out of air. And you hear these words that James tells us. But he gives us more grace. Those words are incredible. Those words are the breath of life. Those words are what we need when we can't keep swimming. And that doesn't mean that everything that came before it wasn't true. It doesn't mean that there isn't a challenge to to guard your tongue. It doesn't mean you can ignore your responsibility to the poor. It doesn't mean your temptations will disappear. It doesn't mean that God doesn't long with jealousy for your heart. But these six little gasps of air in the middle of James chapter 4. Have the ability to give us an amazing perspective on scripture, an amazing perspective on what, what has been commanded before. There's only so far you can keep swimming without coming up for air, and there's only so much we can do without the grace of God. If I measure my life against these challenges, if I hold this mirror up of the book of James to my life. I don't even come anywhere near close to that. But he gives us more grace. So no matter how far you fall short of these challenges, God's grace is enough for you. God is standing envious for your heart. And he says, breathe. Breathe. Breathe my grace. So what does James tell us next? So we carry on. This is what scripture says. God opposes the proud and shows favour to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So James makes it very clear in this passage that we should be serious about our failure. That God is very serious about our failure to live this out. He tells us that our laughter has to turn to mourning over the state of our heart, over our distance from God. But we also have the antidote to our failure here in this passage. When we experience God's grace, when we receive God's grace, the response is that we submit ourselves to God And the result is that when we humble ourselves to God like this, he will lift us up. His grace is enough to lift us wherever we are. And I think this really connects with what James says in the first half of this passage and and what Gree brought out really clearly in, in the first half of the talk is that we need to keep breathing in God's grace every day. We need to do this stuff every day. We need to submit ourselves to God daily. We need to breathe in his grace every day. Someone recently said something to me which really challenged me, really stirred me into taking this seriously. He said, the battle for the kingdom of God is won or lost before you leave your front door. Your decision to submit your day to Jesus, your decision to submit yourself and to humble yourself before God. The tone of your day is set before you leave. And I know there's many of us that aren't morning people agree is someone that's not a morning person. But I do think there's something really important about giving your day to God, about your first thoughts of the day being focused on Jesus and not on BBC News, which has some top banter at 9 o'clock in the morning. Or earlier, for those of you <laughs> that aren't writing PhDs. <laughs> so how seriously do you take this? How seriously do you take this challenge to submit yourself to God? To daily confess how far you fall short and to breathe in his grace? I want to put my hands up and say I don't take it seriously. I don't take this seriously enough. There's been, there have been times when I stood up to preach before you... When I've not spent anywhere near long enough in prayer. And as Miriam told us last week, that's really serious. People that stand up and preach and lead that don't take that responsibility seriously. So I'm sorry that I don't pray for you guys as much as I should when I preach. James tells us we should be mourning at the state of our hearts. When we're in distance from God, we should be grieving and mourning at the state of our hearts. But I know for a fact that I know how to make you think that I'm more holy than I am. I know when the key change comes and it's the right time to lift your hands and worship. Um, I know what the holy face is when you pray for someone. You know, you want to look like you're really into it and you're like, yeah, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) That looked really holy, didn't it? Um, And I even know that if um, I tell you that God really loves you, that that will probably have a profound impact on your life. But I didn't just... I didn't pluck it, it wasn't a prophetic word, I just know that there's, there's a set like five of them that I can tell you which will probably have a profound effect anyway. But I'm not really holy, right? I don't live this in tune with God. But it's really hard to swim like this, it's really hard to swim without the air, without the breath of God's grace. It's really hard to keep pushing when you haven't got any air left. And at the moment, I'm personally just being challenged a lot about how important it is to sacrifice that time to God daily. And I think this is something that particularly our generation are just really lacking. We lack the discipline of seeking after God. You see, I know that my parents and Ellie's parents wouldn't go a day without spending at least half an hour in prayer before they did anything. I wish I could say that was true of my own life, but it isn't. So what about instead of taking that last gasp of grace when we really, really need it? What if we learned to be people that swam above the surface? What if we learned to be people that breathed in God's grace every day? That our swimming was enhanced by that breathing? What if we learned how to do it with the proper technique? I'm not going to demonstrate it to you. Although I did consider preaching from a tank of water. But that would not have gone down well. But what if we were people that really took this seriously? What if we were people that swam in with God's breath? Let me just end by reading the end of chapter 4. So from verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city. Spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then disappears. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone there knows the good they ought to do, And doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So I found this passage really difficult to live with at the moment. Because it feels like there's a lot of people that are living this out really seriously. But the truth is that we are people that are dying. We are people that every day move a step closer to our death. And I'm sorry that that is a miserable message. But that's what James tells you. You're like a mist in the wind that will disappear. And actually, we get so bogged down in life. We get so bogged down in all of our own plans. All of our own lives. We get obsessed with that promotion. Once I finish my degree, I'll be satisfied. Once I get that job, I'll be satisfied. Once my kids get straight A's in school, I'll be satisfied. Once I've redecorated the living room. Once we can afford a house with a bigger garden. Once we have enough money to buy what we really need. And actually, sometimes days, weeks, months and years pass by without even noticing. And it's like swimming underwater in really heavy clothes. As we go through life, we pick up more stuff. We put it on. We pick up more stuff, we put it on. And the more we accumulate, the more projects we take, it's harder to get to the surface, it's harder to breathe in that living breath of air that God gives to us. It seems like only yesterday that I stood here as an 18-year-old student preaching to you. And I think for some of you it will feel like yesterday that you were 25, like me, young, ambitious and good-looking, with everything to prove, with the children still to come. For some of you, you'll feel like that was yesterday. And the next thing you know, life's got up with you. You've got a few grey hairs. Sorry, Christian. Don't get distracted so much by your life that you forget how important it is to breathe in that air that God gives to There's a song that I've been really struck by at the moment by a singer called John Foreman. And it has this line in it. Don't let your body down before your spirit does. And I think that really sums up... Sorry, it's the wrong round, isn't it? Don't let your spirit down before your body does, right? Sorry. But I think, it, this, I think it really sums up what James is saying. Don't get so obsessed with your life that you forget God's will. You forget God's plans. Okay, so why don't we think about how we might respond to this. If you're anything like me, you'll have already started to push back down underneath that water. You'll have already started to get overwhelmed by the fact that I never see God anymore. I never have time for God. I'm such a rubbish person. I can't do this. When was the last time I read my Bible? I'm so rubbish at having quiet time. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Because that's how I feel when I hear this. But that is to forget what James tells us. There is always more grace. But we have to receive it. We have to live it in that grace. We can't do it on our own. And the thing is that your failure, my failure, is very, very serious to God. But God's grace is far, far bigger than any of our failures. It is far, far bigger than any of our plans and projects. God's grace is enough for us. So I think we should should respond in the way that James suggests. We should humble ourselves before the Lord. And we promise that when we humble ourselves before the Lord, he will lift us up. So maybe Eddie um, and a few of the band could come up and they're just going to play quietly in the background. And I think how we should respond to this to start is there's some water and some towels on your table. And we're just going to spend a couple of minutes just really reflecting on those verses in the middle of James chapter 4 about the seriousness of living this out, the seriousness of our failure. And when, when you feel ready, when you thought over that, and when you've, you've acknowledged that before, God, when you feel ready, I want you to just wash your hands in the water. It's a really simple act, but often by, by doing an act, by doing a response, it's a good way of responding to God and saying, I'm serious about this, I mean this. And we're promised in this passage that God's grace is enough, whatever our failure is. So take that seriously as you wash your hands of that. So we're just going to spend a few minutes now. Just thinking through those verses together.